everyone and welcome back to Reading by Flashlight. We're going to be going over chapters 5 and 6 of 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea by Jules Verne. So chapter 5 is called The Remarkable Nautilus. So basically, after they finish their meal, Captain Nemo wants to show Aranax his library. So he tells him, I've got 12,000 books in here. Books on every single subject and every single language. And I've read every single one of them. <laughs> Whoa, man. That's that's a lot of books. Okay. And he's, you know, Aranax is looking around these books shelves and he sees his book is actually on one of the shelves. And so he's like, oh, that's how you knew my name. That's why you're being so nice to me. It's because you read my book. I mean, his book was on his shelf. And then Captain Nemo struts over to another door and he opens it. And this room is filled with paintings, tapestries, and statues and things and art just created by the greatest artists of the ancient and modern world and it was basically like a underwater museum you know something like that would actually actually be cool like an underwater museum or an underwater library like i would travel across the country to go to that so then basically nemo begins to explain to aranax how these were some of the greatest treasures on earth but now that he's not on Earth, they aren't on Earth. They're, well, they're on Earth. Now that they're not on land, their life is dead, but he can still enjoy them down here, basically, is what he's saying. And he says how the majority of the stuff that's in the room was actually found by his own hands in the sea. And Aranax is like, no museum in the world has a collection like this. It, I mean, there must be, it must be worth millions, like all the stuff in this room. And so, you know, they're talking about that. And then Aranax is like, this is really cool and all that. But what, like, is the most puzzling to me is just the power of this ship. And then Nemo's like, it is a mighty power indeed. It gives me light, heat, runs all my machines. It is literally electricity. And then Nemo, Aranax is like, that's unheard of. Scientists on land have only been able to produce tiny sparks of electricity in their laboratories. We still have to use gas for our lights and wood and coal for our heat. And we don't have machines run by electrical motors. He's like, where does this powerful electrical energy come from? And then Nemo's like, again, it just comes from the sea. And then he's like, that's so cool. And then he's like, where do you get your air supply from? And he's like, I renew the air on the ship simply by surfacing. And he talks all these science figures, not really, but like how he gets air. And then he's like, to the dinghy. And then Aranax is like, you have a dinghy on board? He's like, yeah, it's a splendid little boat. We use it when we want to go fishing. And Aranax is just going on and on about how this, the Nautilus is so amazing. And he's like, how are you able to build this remarkable ship in secret? And Captain Nemo explained that every part of it was made in a different country of the world. And then they sent these parts to different addresses under different names. And then Nemo and his crew basically set up a workshop in the desert and built the Nautilus there. So he obviously did not want anyone to know that he was building this. And, I mean, he got away with it pretty good. So then Captain Nemo decided that he needed to leave, so he left, and just as 
Aranax was about to leave too, all the lights in the lounge room had went off, and he heard some noises like panels were sliding against each other, and they actually were panels, and they opened up and revealed these two windows that was on each side of the ship. And like, so you could see the water and the marine life that was around outside the ship. So it was basically like a huge aquarium. And then it says for the next eight days, he saw nothing of Captain Nemo. Ned, Conceal, and Aranax were surprised by his absence, but I mean, they explored, they kept themselves busy with the window, you know, exploring the ship and just like seeing all these creatures up close that they probably didn't get to see. And then on the ninth day that they of his absence, they got a note was delivered to Aranax's cabin and it said, Professor Aranax, I'm pleased to invite you and your friends on a hunting expedition tomorrow in the forest of Crespo Island, Captain Nemo. So obviously Ned and Council are getting super excited. They're like, a hunting expedition? Well, that means that we're going to be able to go ashore and we're going to be able to try and escape. And Aranax obviously has his, doubt, his doubts about this. So the next morning he asks the captain and he's like, this forest is not on land, it's underwater. Ha! They're going hunting underwater. And he's like, hunting underwater? And he's like, yes, Professor, but you'll stay perfectly dry while you're hunting. So basically, Captain Nemo had developed these special air tanks that strapped onto a diver's back. And with it, he's able to move freely as he wishes and even stay on the ocean floor for nine or ten hours. So it's pretty much just an advanced amount of air supply and they're not attached to the boat or anything. And chapter six, Beneath the Pacific Ocean. So basically Ned and Council are like really angry because they're like, what do you mean we're not going on land? Like we're hunting, we're hunting underwater. Like we're not gonna go if we are not gonna get a chance to escape. But you know, they end up going along and they're strapped into these suits, you know, their diving suits, and then they're put into this small compartment that has a watertight door that sealed itself and then water was rising up from their feet until they were completely covered and a door opened and a moment later they were out onto the ocean floor. So it doesn't give a lot of detail but it just says they basically go out, they're just walking and they go out hunting fish and stuff and then they decide to go back to the Nautilus. And on their way back, all you need to know is that Captain Nemo kills a sea otter. Ah, oh, why'd you do that? I really hope that sea otter was old and had had a happy life. So, you know, they go inside, they get out of their suits and all that stuff. The water's pumped out of that compartment. They get out, and during the next couple days and weeks, they barely saw any of Captain Nemo. So the gang kind of just had to amuse themselves with whatever they could find. So as the three of them, the three musketeers, were in the lounge room where the big windows were, they were, one of them noticed that there was like a giant shipwreck that was out in the water. So like they're all gathered around looking and they see this ship that had obviously only sunk hours earlier. It was really recent because there hadn't been, there's no sea life clinging to it. Everything looks like fresh, you know? And what was even sadder is that they could see bodies that were like twisted in ropes and caught in the windows and, you know, they weren't able to escape. 
and they could only see it for a few seconds as they were being pulled away with the Nautilus. So, they don't think much about it. I mean, obviously, the Three Musketeers, who are in this state-of-the-art rocket ship, not really a rocket ship, but, like, in this ocean floor, you know, they don't got to worry about that, you know. It's not their problem. They decide that the next day they're going to ask Captain Nemo if they can go hunting on land. They need to go ask their babysitter once again if they can do something. And surprisingly, he lets them go hunting. And they're all, like, excited. They're like, Ned's like, yay, we finally have our chance to escape. Do you, Ned? Do you? So they're at some island. They're, they finally step onto dry land, and they're, like, so excited. They haven't been on dry land in, like, two or three months. So they're running from trees to bushes, picking up bananas and pineapples and coconuts and mangoes and all this fruit and stuff, and they're eating them. And then they try to see if they can find some good meat, like the meat they're used to, not just seafood, and, um, you know, see if they can collect some meat before they have to leave or escape. And they caught something, and as soon as they start to eat, they are being pelted with stones and arrows from the edge of the forest. And then Council immediately calls out, It's the cannibals! And that's the end of the chapter. Did they survive? Did they die? Find out next week as we'll go over chapters 7 and 8. See you later!